Now, our book this week is Micah. Uh, a couple of people said, why don't you skip Obadiah? Uh, read your e-blast and you'll see Obadiah is being packaged in with Habakkuk for next week. Habakkuk looks like Habakkuk, but it's Habakkuk. And we're putting those together. We're going to clump some of the very small books together as we transition from Old Testament into New. This week, it's Micah. Don't know much about him, can't give you much of his history. We know he prophesied to both capitals, Samaria in the north and Jerusalem in the south. And his prophecies, this is about the time reading the minor prophets, where you start getting deja vu. You're thinking, I've read this before. It's the same dire warnings, the same you're in big trouble now, and then the same, but you will be restored one day. Yeah, it is. But there are a couple of differences in Micah. But before I can talk to you about Micah, I want to talk to you about bus schedules. Work with me. I, I can drive on the left-hand side of the road and the right-hand side of the road. It doesn't matter what part of the car the steering wheel is attached to. I'm comfortable. I can, I can handle a boat and do it well. I can fly an airplane, small one, not the big ones. Uh, I can fly those. I'm pretty good at driving a big truck, small car, whatever it is. I cannot figure out buses for the life of me. Trains, no problems. Buses, it has been tragic. It has been. I remember I was 17 years old, and I needed to get into the city of Glasgow, which is a big city in the west of Scotland, and do some work. And then I needed to get back to East Kilbride, a town outside of Glasgow, that evening. Well, some people were driving into Glasgow so they could drop me off. And they said, how are you getting back? And I said, I'll take a bus. And they look at me and they go, no, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Well, after I was done, I went to a corner and every corner has a bus stop, it seems. So I'm standing there and there's a wee man there. And I say, which bus gets me to East Cabride? And he says, oh, you'll be wanting a 13. That's 13 to you. 13. I said, fair enough. Stood there. When, I, when the 13 came, hopped on the bus. Now, what he didn't tell me was that after a few stops, he needed to get off and get on a 31, and then get off of that one and transition to a 24. That never came up. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the bus thinking, somebody moved East Kilbride. It's a lot, taken a lot longer to get there than I was expecting. And, and we, uh, we kept going. There was countryside. That was new because um, East Kilbride's a suburb. But fair enough, you know, cows. Hmm, interesting. Um, after, every time we stopped, people got off, but nobody was getting on. And eventually we stopped, and the bus driver got off. <laughs> and I thought, right, I'm getting off. Um, so I got off, and, you, and it, it was so embarrassing to be a 17-year-old guy having to walk up to somebody and say, what's the name of this town? Because I knew I wasn't in the right town, and I didn't know how to get back. But I learned something. Don't get on a bus unless you're willing to go where it's going. And every conversation is a bus. Every thought pattern is a bus. Every attitude is a bus. Are you willing to go where that takes you? And Micah talks to the people saying, you have gotten on the wrong bus. You think this bus is going to take you where you want to go, but this bus is taking you to destruction. So we need to know what the bus is that he's talked about, 
talking about here. Everything, whether it's politics or culture, every decision is a bus. It is taking you somewhere. Do you really want to go where that thing is going? Look at this from the third chapter of Micah. And I've put together here bits and pieces of about six verses within the, this one chapter. Listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil? Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. They got on the wrong bus. This is what the Lord says, as for the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortune for money. Yet they look for the Lord's support and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. They got on the wrong bus. They thought God was on that bus. Some of you are so young. You don't remember. Once upon a time when you wanted to get on a plane, you just walked on the plane. There wasn't much there to stop you until some people started hijacking planes to Cuba. There wasn't even an x-ray machine. You just walked on. And if you remember those days, there was an announcement always made. The stewardess, uh, that's what they called them on the day, would say, if you're not planning to go to Frankfurt, get off now. Because there would even be people come on to visit. The next thing you know, we're, we're airborne. And they're, they're having to be there for the trip. And, and people, it, I, I saw it several times. People would be going, oh, oh, hang on. And I'm on the wrong plane. And they'd get off of it. Now, we've, we've fixed some of that. But the point is this. Uh, what, where are you headed? What are you doing? It's amazing. We, we do it fin with finances. We, we throw away money thinking, eventually, it'll come back. <laughs> it'll just show up when I need it. We do it throwing away our character as well, thinking when a time comes, I can No, you've, you've taken the wrong bus. And the people had taken the wrong bus. A review of the last several prophets in Micah. God was frustrated. God was angry. Angry with both Israel in the north and Judah in the south because they were following their own political and cultural leaders. They were following the wrong leaders to destruction. When you were a kid, did you ever do that? You're walking around maybe at the zoo and you see something interesting and you look up at your mom and dad to point it out and realize, that's not my mom and dad. Uh, where'd the mom and dad go? You had followed the pair of legs you assumed were the right pair of legs. No. We often po uh, follow cultural or political leaders without thinking of the cost of what it's going to end up to, the, the, the end cost of following them. Think about this. One thing that I 
when I work with teens and I ask them is, who are you emulating? Who are you imitating? Who are you trying to be like? Who do you think are the cool people? Now, when I was a boy, it was the car guys. Because back then, you could fix a car with a hammer and a hard look. And it was the car guys. And the car guys didn't pay attention in school. They were too cool. They were the car guys. They, they all dressed alike. They would, they'd skip out and smoke on the corner because they were the car guys. They were rebels. Rebels without a clue. They were ready. And I wanted to be one of the cool car guys until I started thinking about, but where are they going? And because they didn't get their education, most of them have to work on your nice car because they can't afford a car. They were being so cool being car guys, they ended up not being able to get the kind of cars they wanted. You see the point? That's what happened to Israel. They were becoming, and Judah, they were becoming important and powerful and prosperous, but they'd hopped on the wrong bus. They'd started the wrong conversation. They were perverting justice because the leaders were, and they were following them. They were injecting money into the courts, acting like Balaam and prophesying a blessing to anybody who would pay enough getting their comfort at the cost of others' loss and pain. It was legal, legal robbery. Micah brings it up about high interest rates and treating your workers poorly. And Micah is stopping them saying, where are you and where are you going? Now, these are the three big questions. Every person needs to know these questions. Every person needs to stop every so often and ask the questions. Where am I? Where do I want to be, and what will get me there? Where am I, where do I want to be, and what will get me there? Now think about it. Had a friend once who went all Fred Flintstone on his wife. Came home, he was hungry, he was tired, and he, he told me about this later, and assumed a meal would be ready. And his wife was evidently still in her robe and pink fuzzy slippers watching telly when he walked in. Oh, he got angry, and he told me about it. And I said, uh, next time, I want you to think for a minute. Where am I? I'm tired, and I'm hungry. Where do I want to be? Rested and fed. What will get me there? Probably not yelling at the wife. Probably Papa John's. Um... China King Buffet, something like this would get you fed and rested. But we always take the wrong bus on that last one, don't we? We jump on that last one, and it takes us to destruction. Where do you want to be? Lily Tomlin, a comedian back in the day, said she always wanted to grow up to be somebody, and now she realizes she should have been more specific. Well, one of the wrong buses these people had taken was not just following the cultural leaders of the day and the political leaders of the day, but they had hopped on the bus that says, as long as you do the ritual right, God will love you and everything's fine. And so they went to, Micah went to great lengths to stress that ritual going to church is not enough to save you. It won't cancel out bad hearts, bad actions, bad attitudes. 
In fact, Jesus and Micah sound an awful lot alike. Look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, going off on religious people. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do. That's a bit sarcasm, as you'll be able to see if you've ever read the chapter. But do not do what they do because they do not practice what they preach. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries. That was an ancient dinosaur. No, no. A phylactery was a little prayer box that you put on your arms and your head. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. That's a prayer shawl. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. Once again, hyperbole, little bit of sarcasm. Nobody counts out every ten seed of mint and dill. But he's saying, look how precise you are. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to, that's kind of supposed to be funny. Sw- woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's Micah in one chapter. They sound so very similar. He also says this, Jesus does in Matthew chapter 7, and this is really important for all of us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, a lot of times people bring out Matthew chapter 7. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, you've got to do the will of the Lord. And that's when they jump on the wrong bus. And the will of the Lord to them means you've got to sing the right songs in the right way and go to the right church at the right time and you've got to take the Lord's Supper in the right way at the right day and you've got, what is the will of the Lord? That's what Jesus tells us. He'll, he'll bring it to us. Micah does as well. Jesus wants to get our attention first. And he actually got the attention so much that people were puzzled thinking, wait a minute, We do all this ritual, and that's not saving us. Can anybody go to heaven? And that brings up this exchange in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? By the way, Jesus wouldn't say that today because... For the next three hours, people would be saying, but my version says. (laughs) 
And those of you that didn't bring your Bibles, read from the message. Anyway, um, he, he, an <laughs> he answered, Lord, love the Lord the, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Did you, we sang that. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. Wait a minute. What did Jesus just do? Have you, we read Leviticus. You remember that, don't you? We read Deuteronomy. And what does Jesus say? Here's the point of everything. Here's the bus you're supposed to be on. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's the bus. The ritual bus won't save you. Micah tells us the same thing. Look at Micah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You remember back in Deuteronomy 6, right in the middle of all those big codes of laws, God stops everything in Deuteronomy 6, 5 and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's all the law, God says, and the prophets. That's it. Jesus says the same. It's almost as if God put tripwires all the way through Scripture so that we can remember, this is Israel's story at that time, but remember, love is the rule. Now, this is where they were at this time, and they were doing it this way, but remember, love God, love others. All the way through Scripture, there's these little, there are these little tripwires that kick up that remember what bus to get on. You and I will have decisions to make, political decisions. We will have decisions to make, conversation decisions. We will have decisions to make about the way we live our life, where we put our dollars, all of this. Remember what bus we're supposed to be on. Remember where that's going. Jesus pushes it, so does Micah. Everything is based on love, justice, kindness, and faith. Love is the most important thing. Two of these tripwires, long way apart. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict. Look at this. But love covers over all wrongs. I want to stop right. Can we come back to that one? There are marriage seminars. We're going to have one here uh, next month, and that's in your e-blast. And I hope that you, you saw that and that you'll be here. There are marriage seminars that I have been to where one of the things, they want open and honest communication. I would submit to you, marriage is no place for open and honest communication. <laughs> and one of the things they'll say, they actually said this. They said, you need to, to, to go off now and your exercise is to tell the other person what you really can't stand about them. Seriously? Why? When did God ever treat you that way? God doesn't treat you that way. Don't look for the faults. Go tell them how fantastic they are. Focus on that. Anything they do that annoys you is because they're a human being. Congratulations, you married one. <laughs> Leave it out. 
Love covers over all wrongs. Look at the next verse now. Thank you for taking it back there. Above all, above all. What does all mean? All. It's not a hard word. <laughs> Love each other deeply. How many times I've had people say, but we're supposed to, you know, you know, we're supposed to correct each other in love. Really? Really? When was the last time you got severely corrected and said, I feel all warm and fuzzy. I feel, I want to send a valentine to that person right now. <laughs> love one another deeply because, oh, look again, all, a long way apart, Proverbs to First Peter, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love is the bus. When the worst day comes, and those days come, where do we go? What bus do we get on? As the old Spanish tune, the old traditional words that Misha sang so well today, we flee as a bird to our mountain, to the one who loves us. We head that direction. We don't rest upon anything else but the mountain of God. Look at Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. By the way, if you're wondering what the last days mean, the Bible says we're in them because ever, ever since Pentecost. Because we're in the Christian time. Doesn't mean the end of the world's coming. It means this is, God doesn't have a plan B. This is his last plan to work with us. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It'll be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Now, I want you to notice the word peoples because you might think, well, that's a typo because people is the plural of people. No, actually, peoples means all different kinds of people. No borders, no restrictions. Many nations will come and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Stop right there. Remember, at this time, the Jews thought they were the only ones that God liked. But he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm calling everybody to the bus. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. Look at this. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine, under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. On the day of Pentecost, when the people saw what was going on, they had a question. They said, what does this mean? It means the mountain has come. Jesus has established his church. Jesus has established his people. We have a mountain to flee to. We've got a place to go. There we find our people, our nation, our kindred, our tribe. We're taught its ways so that we no longer blindly follow where the other people are going. We don't hop on their buses, no matter where it is, in culture, politics, religion, or whatever. That's why we become, in Paul's verbiage, a peculiar people. 
You're not from around here, are you? No. I'm from somewhere else. Paul even put it another way. He said, don't be drunk with wine. Be drunk with the Spirit. And some people have thought, oh, he's telling you not to drink. No, no, you've missed it. What he's saying is when you're drunk, people will look at you and say, well, that's odd behavior. You be so full of the Spirit, people point at you and say, that's different. That's not what I see other places. Something's gotten into that person. Yeah. The world may consider you an enemy because you no longer buy into their facts. You no longer climb on their bandwagons with everybody else. The world hates that. It does. Teens, you already know this. <laughs> Teens, you're kind of the left behind, aren't you? Everybody else is all over the world. You're in Franklin, where it's 118 degrees. That's all right. God notices it, and he says, blessed be thou in the faithful heat. Um, you already know this. You're sitting in a room. Everybody else is passing around a drug, let's say. We could, we could say a, a bunch of stuff. Comes to you, and you say, no, I don't do that. They don't look at you and say, good for you. You've made up your own mind. You know what you believe in, and you're standing for it. Well done. No. The world hates it when you don't join the wagon, when you don't do what they do. And Micah warns you, don't get on the wagon. It's not going where you want to go. Make sure you know where you're headed. We are a people of peace, and our hearts live in a different place. Micah chapter 4, verse 5. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. They can take that bus. But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Would you read that with me? All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. I want to come back up, and I'm going to ask you please to stand. The Micah 6 community up in Detroit feeds and serves the poor in the name of Jesus. I'm proud of them for that. Micah wraps it up saying this. Micah 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Make sure you're on the right bus. May God bless you and give you peace.